Today we're going to be talking about people's, one of people's favorite subjects, babies. All right? See, there you go. You can't show a picture of a baby without everybody going, oh, right? Babies are, are, are wonderful. Uh, only the miracle of birth, the potential to think about all that that, that life could be, uh, the possibilities are endless, um, the, just what is housed in that life. It, it's really interesting, too. One of the things we learned uh, when we were taking care of babies is um, there's this thing that happens when a baby cries. It will drive you insane, <laughs> right? And, and it's really, there's, there's actually been a lot of research on that study that, that, that they play crying babies to animals, and they, uh, they go nuts trying to fix it. They play, they, there are some experiments done with chimpanzees where they would play human babies crying. And, and the chimps would like, they would grab their babies and they would stuff food in its mouth. They were just doing everything they could to please stop. There's a, a, an innate sense within us to take care of a crying child, to, to meet its needs and to, to take care of it. It's, it's really hardwired into our brains, and it seems to be hardwired into all of the animal kingdom that when we hear those noises, animals get really agitated and, and are trying to fix the problem and take care of ba babies. Really, as we start talking today about what it means to be living spiritually, we're going to talk about how to take care of our spiritual baby, ourselves on the inside. Uh, that potential that we have to be what God wants us to be and, and how to, to help that inner self grow up and mature um, today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and 2 Corinthians chapter 2. There's uh, two verses we'll read there together here in a minute. Second, Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 1, and 2 Corinthians chapter 2. That's where we'll end up today. If you have your manuals, you can turn to page 43 and 44 um, as we continue our 3D Disciple journey. Um, now, some people have been surprised that I'm here. They heard that I was traveling, um, and they told me that they had prayed for me, and I appreciate that. I will be traveling uh, when we're done today. Um, it's time for another class, and so I'll be traveling to North Carolina after the service today. So it's going to kind of be amen, goodbye. Um, or something like that. And I appreciate the prayers for travel, but if you really want to pray for something, I'm taking advanced statistics in this class. So I think we probably need 36 hours or 72 hours of continual prayer that I get through advanced statistics. Um, particularly, I have to teach a class on chi-square, if that means anything to you. It's Greek to me. Last week, Jared uh, had kind of wrapped up uh, our second, our, our chapter, our first chapter. So good news is we're starting on chapter two today, Living Spiritually. He wrapped that up kind of bringing all of what we had talked about in chapter one about being living in a right relationship or living righteous, uh, putting all the pieces together from uh, confession and repentance and grace and truth and, and reverence and sin and submission and obedience. He put all those together into kind of the big cake that we understand is, is, is salvation. Um, I like the, the uh, 
the illustration we came up with, kind of talking about life is our salvation is kind of like this diamond. There, you know, a diamond has all these cuts, all these facets that they cut into the stone because each of those kind of cuts catches the light and it makes the the diamond shine. And and so there's all these facets to understanding what salvation is. And and so we are going to dig back into one of those a little bit more. One of the more significant ones is regeneration. It, con it contains the idea of being born again, of being regenerated, you know, being a new creature, that kind of idea. And so we're going to dig into that as we start to talk about what it means to, to, to be living spiritually. And so if you have your, if you have your manual, I'm actually going to read uh, the, the part from uh, our opening on chapter 2. It says, in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, Jesus told a parable about a lost son who comes to his senses and returns to his father seeking forgiveness. The father exclaims at the return of his son, This my son was dead and is alive again. When we, uh, in, uh, when we encourage, uh, recognize, when we recognize and respond, oh, I found a typo. When we recognize and respond to the gospel with the desire to be saved, we become spiritually alive. Uh, this chapter looks at, uh, looks at some of the concepts of what spiritual life is about and what practices can help us become stronger. Thank you, sir. And so it's this whole idea of, of this life being inside of us, our, our, our spiritual baby uh, uh, that, that lives in, and dwells in us once we come to faith, once we understand salvation, and once we've kind of gotten to this right relationship, that we're now spiritually alive. Uh, one of the famous passages maybe is from John chapter 3, verse 3. G Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And, and Nicodemus is a little confused by that, and he has to explain that. And he, he, We have John 3, that whole chapter that we're so familiar with, or at least parts of it in, in John 3.16, you know. Um, so there's this idea that, that something new has to happen, something special, that this new life uh, comes for us to have eternal life. If you have that Ephesians 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sin. So, so just think about that sentence. You were dead. That implies something. Because it's a past tense, right? You were dead probably means you're not dead anymore. <laughs> right? You were dead in your trespasses and sin. In which you once walked of following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Do you hear all the, 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 the baby metaphors in there? You were sons of disobedience, right? You were, you were in, you're carrying out, you were children of wrath. That's what you were. All past tense. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. 
And so we were dead, we are now alive by the grace of God in Christ, which we will celebrate and highlight at the end of our service today. And so there's a couple of things I want us to, so as we're talking, chapter 2 is living spiritually. Everything in our discipleship uh, uh, manual is about living, how we live as disciples. What is a living disciple, right? And not just a a stagnant uh, uh, disciple. And so we're going to talk today about what it is, what having a spiritual life, or at least some basic concepts of what the spiritual life is all about. What does it mean to be alive spiritually? Well, in order to understand what it means to be alive spiritually, I'm going to start off with trying to understand what it means to be dead spiritually. All right. So to understand life, sometimes we need to understand what death is, and so understanding death and life. Death, biblically speaking, I think, is really best understood as death is separation. Um, and and at, at death, there's this separation, really an unnatural separation, an unintended separation that when God made us, he made us as whole units. And, and so for, for death to happen, some unnatural separation has to occur. And there's a number, there's actually a, a, a couple of forms of death that the Bible talks about. One is one that we're probably the most familiar with, physical death, Right. And that's really the separation of the soul, spirit, that internal you from the external you. The separation of the soul from the body. Um, That God made us both material and non-material. He made us both with souls and bodies. um, And that we were united. And and the way God wanted us to, to live was a soul living inside a physical body. right? And so death, that we know physical death, is when those two are separated. And I was just telling somebody this morning, this is not a natural process. There's no such thing as natural death. Because when God made us, He intended us to live like that forever. That was the intention in the Garden of Eden, that Adam and Eve would live as body and souls together forever with God. That was the intention. And it was only when sin came into the world that death came into the world. And so this separation, this very unnatural separation, and that's why when people die, it's gruesome in a lot of cases. It's, it, it's painful. It, it's, hurt, it's hurtful. It's, it's difficult to watch and participate in, and it tears us up inside. And, and there's something in us that goes, this isn't right. And the reason there's something in us that goes, this isn't right, is because it's not right. <laughs> it, that's not what God intended. And so our spirit inside of us is going, something is wrong. And that's because something is wrong. Sin. And so we have this separation of body and soul and the pain that it causes. Well, there's another kind of separation in the Bible, spiritual death. That's the separation of our soul from God. That this internal part of us, our spirit, was intended to live with God. Both body and soul was actually intended to live with God. But there's supposed to be this union of spirit with God that we we know him and he knows us. And when we talk about spiritual death, when it says you were dead in your trespasses of sin, you could, you could almost substitute you were separated from God because of your sin. That sin puts this, this barrier between us and God. It separates us from us. And we're, we're, we're not sensitive to God. We don't have a relationship with God. We don't know the things of God. Uh, we're deaf to God. We're blind to God. And, and all these kind of ideas. And so it's, it's, we're separated from him. And that's spiritual death. And then there's a final death or eternal death, 
when the soul-body combination, both our soul and our body, gets separated from God. The Bible describes this, actually calls this the second death. Uh, when, and, and it's really when body and soul resurrected and reunited together will be cast out from God's presence for all eternity. The general way we refer to that is called hell. God is good and light and loving and everything. And when you're separated from all that's good, all that's right, all that's loving, all that's caring, it's pretty bad. Right? And, and so that's eternal. So this is what death is. We all experience physical death. The mortality rate among humanity is 100%. We're all born spiritually dead because we're all born with sin. And we're in danger of experiencing eternal death, eternal separation from God, both body and soul cast into hell forever and ever and ever. That's death. But you were dead in your trespasses, right? God has made us alive by his grace with Christ Jesus. So what does it mean to be alive? What is life? Well, if death is separation, then life is union connection when things are put together the way they're supposed to be put together that's what it means to be alive right and so we have the same same things we've got physical life when your body and your soul are joined together you're alive right you can all be like pinocchio i'm a boy you know i'm alive you know, something's put together the way it's supposed to be put together. And, and, and we know this is right. And that's when we see that baby, right? That body and little soul that's in that baby. We all look at that and go, oh, because it's right. And it's alive. And it's amazing. And it's a miracle. And, and it's beautiful. And, and, and so on and so forth. That this is what life is supposed to be. That's physical life. There's spiritual life. Now when our soul connects with God again, when we're living righteously, right? When we're in that right relationship with God, when we can hear God and see God and listen to God and obey God and know God and God knows us and we walk closely with him. That was a great song for today, right? And so that's what it means to be a spiritually alive, that God brought us into a right relationship with him. And we go, oh, this is right. And then there's eternal life. That's the day when our body and our soul put back together at resurrection gets to live in eternity with God. Revelation 21, you will see his face and you will see him face to face. And God says, I will make my dwelling among you and I will be with you and you will be with me. And, and we're going to live in the presence of all that's good and all that's right and all that's beautiful and all that's loving and all that that is. And we're going to say, man, this is right. This is what, this is living is what we will say on that day. And we'll be right when we say that. Because we're united, we're in union with our creator as we were designed to be. This is what God's design was at the very beginning. Soul, body, gathered together, united with God himself, walking in the cool of the evening in the garden, right? That is what life is. So that's kind of a, a look at, at death and life. We commemorate this really every year. There's a, there's a verse in Ezekiel 
chapter 36, 26, and 27. It says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. Every year at Christmas time, we do, uh, we do a, a, a little celebration. We, you know, we light these candles and we call them the gospel candles. And my favorite part of that whole season is when we do the last Sunday. When, if you remember, if you've ever seen this, there's a black candle in the middle that represents sin. right? And sin it represents death or separation from God, and there's, a, there's you know, humanity, creation at the bottom, and God at the top, and it's separated. There's this black candle standing between God and man, his creation, and it, it keeps everything apart. And at the last Sunday, we take that black candle out, and because of faith and, and the sacrifice that God makes, we put a pink candle in its place, and we call it the candle of faith. And I think about this verse. It's a representative of when we're born again, when we come to spiritual life, that that cold, dead, starving heart, that heart of stone is taken out of us, and a living, beating, breathing heart is put back in us, right? And, and, and the connection between God and man is brought together the way it was intended. That's what we describe. That's what we're illustrating in those days. Um, that this, there's this life where there was death, where there, was, where there wasn't a heartbeat, there now is a heartbeat, right? A spiritual life has been born when we put our faith in Jesus' death, burial, and uh, uh, resurrection. So that's, again, life. But we're, we're talking about, so now that those of us who have reacted, who have put our faith in Christ, who've been saved, who've been born again, who've been regenerated, who've been justified, who've been redeemed, all of those different ways of looking at salvation, and we're alive, and there's this, there's this spiritual life, maybe spiritual baby inside of us, what now? <laughs> well, you know, getting the baby here is one thing. And then you sit there and they hand it to you, right? And you're like, now what? Right? I, I, I remember that day when they placed Carly in my hand. And I'm like, and now what? <laughs> okay, she's here. And then somebody pats you on the back and said, for the next 18 years, congratulations, you get to figure it out. So it's been a little longer than 18 years and we're still trying to figure it out. So life has some implications, to live spiritually, to have a spiritual life, means you need sustenance, right? You need some spiritual sustenance. I started to put food there, but food wasn't good. Because sustenance is, is the things that sustain life. That's what keeps you alive. And, and, and really, physically, we need more than just food to stay alive. There's, there's other things that sustain us. And within our spiritual life, our spiritual life, is, is there's a lot of similarities between being spiritually alive and physically alive. And you need food. You need sustenance to stay spiritually alive. You're kind of like that little bird, right? You know, he won't make it if he doesn't get the sustenance that he needs. He needs food, and he needs his, he needs his nest, and he needs his mom, and there, there's needs that he has. Otherwise, he's going to not make it. And that spiritual self that we have, it has needs to, be, to sustain it. And if it doesn't get it, it will not grow like it's supposed to. So 
Matthew chapter 4, Jesus uh, gives us a hint to what one of those, those sustaining things are. He's being tempted by the devil. He's not eating for 40 days. The devil tells him, well, just turn these, these bread, these stones into bread. And his answer, he says, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And when he's talking about man, he's talking about the unified man, right? Body and soul. And so a man, his body can live by bread, but the other part of him can't live by bread alone. But every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so the number one sustenance that we need is the word of God. Now luckily we have the things that come out of the mouth of God. We find that in a little thing we call the Bible. Um, and, and, and again, I, I think it's more important for us to say this today than it's ever been to say this. Because there's a lot of people who will argue about the Bible. And they'll say, well, Jesus said this, and, and, and Paul said this, and, and Timothy said this, and James said this, and John said this, and they want to break the Bible up into its authors, right? They're, it's earthly authors, right? Moses said this, and so they break it up. And, and so there's a lot of people who will argue about certain things in the world, and they'll say, well, Jesus never said anything about that. That's Paul who said that. I believe, and we at this church believe and hold to, the inerrancy of the entire scriptures. Right? What that means is every word in the Bible God said. Now God may have said it through Paul or said it through John or said it through Matthew, but it's all the word of God. And so I read what Paul says the same way I read the red letters of Jesus. I argue, I'll make this joke sometimes, if I was to ever make my own Bible, if I was to be an editor of the Bible and I was going to make a red letter edition, every word in my Bible would be red. There wouldn't be just red parts. It would all be red because it all came from the mouth of God. That's what we believe and that's what we teach. And that's what we need to feed on. This is what sustains us, the word of God. It is food for your soul. It is what that baby bird needs, and without it, it will not survive and thrive. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is again talking about, interestingly enough, he, he mentions birds in this little passage. You may remember, you know, consider the birds of the air. They do not sow, they do not toil, right? And he gets down, he's, he's teaching about worrying, and he says this at the close of that, that section. He goes, and do not seek what, to, what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. But your Father knows what you need, that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And He's really laying an importance that, that we get physically captivated when we need to be spiritually focused. That, that we get so caught up in the physical world and the things of the physical world that we neglect the more important things. The spiritual world. And Jesus says this in another place. He says, what would it gain for a person to gain the whole world and lose his soul? The most important part of us is the internal part. Not that the external part isn't important because they were together. But that, that, that life that's in us that we neglect because we may not see it. You know, think about the, the sad picture of a baby left on a doorstep somewhere in a basket, right? 
And you'd be, oh, it's, it's neglected. It's not taken care of. That's such a shame. But because we get captivated with physical things, we often leave our spiritual baby in a basket on somebody else's doorstep and don't take care of it ourselves. And Jesus is saying, what you need to do, you need the word of God and you need the will of God. You need to be seeking me, seeking my will, seeking my plans for you. I have good plans for you. I want you to grow up and be something. You know, I, 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 I brought you to life for a reason and for a purpose, and, and, you know, to glorify me and to be in a relationship with me and not to be abandoned on somebody's doorstep for them to maybe take care of. A couple other things that I, I think are sustaining that are really important that I want to mention today. I'm not going to dig into these because we talked about them a few times, um, but I, I want to mention them to you so you can think about them. One is we need purpose as a saying us too. It, that that there, there needs to be a reason to live. And your creator made you for that reason. He brought you to life for a reason, to advance his kingdom, to make his name great, to, to go make disciples of the world, to bring glory to him, to experience him. There's lots of reasons that God has given us life. And, and like Jared said last week, there's, there's more to salvation than just getting to heaven. There's a purpose in our life. I once read a story about an incident in one of the Nazi POW camps during World War II. Um, there was two groups of people. Um, there was a group of people that they sent out to build railroads. And so they took some of the, the prisoners, they'd put them on a train, they'd march them, or they'd march them out to the railroad, and they would drive spikes and lay timbers and lay rails all day long, and they were building this railroad. There was another group of people who they had move rocks. And there was a pile of rocks on one end of the camp, and they told them to go pick those rocks up and move them to this end of the camp. And then they, once they got to that end, they said, okay, now that you got them over there, put them back over there. And they would pick them all up, and they'd take them back to that side of the camp. And every day, they were just taking the rocks back from one side to the next side. Interesting thing is, those who were doing that job died quicker than the ones who were building the railroad. And the belief is, the thought is, that those who were building the railroad, there was some purpose to that. They could, at the end of the day, we're like, oh, look, we laid another mile of track. Right? We, we've accomplished something. There, there's purpose to this work I'm doing. It's back-breaking, heart-breaking work that I'm doing, but we're, we're accomplishing something. There's a purpose. There's a greater purpose than myself in this. And the people who were just moving rocks from one side to the other side were hopeless. They're, this doesn't mean anything. This is, this is stupid. This is my, my life has no purpose. I'm not even laying railroad tracks. And, and so that led to them dying sometimes much earlier than the other people dying, although the work was very similar. And they just think that this, that purpose is part of what sustains us, that, that life has reason behind it, and it matters. The other thing I would add, too, is connection. That is with one another, with God. You know, living right is about living in a right, connected relationship with God, but we also need our connections with one another that's so why we encourage people to think about chords and get involved with small groups and at least get involved with people that you can be really connected with and, and help each other grow and, and be alive. Uh, when we were preparing for our adoptions, we, we did a lot of studying. We had to go through a lot of classes. And one of the things we learned was that in certain countries where orphanage care was big, um, kids... Um, and it's no, it's no fault of the workers, but sometimes there's one, one worker in charge of as many as 30 infants, right? And you're feeding 30 infants 
every two hours. And so the best they could do is they'd wash, and this is in a, in, a, in a country where they had to wash bottles, glass bottles by hand, and wash the nipples and do all that kind of stuff. And so they'd go wash, they'd wash them, they'd dry them, they'd fill them, they'd go stick them in the baby's mouths. As soon as they're done, they're pulling them out, washing them, filling them, coming back two hours later, doing it again. And what happened is when that one worker's in charge of that many kids, the kids don't get a connection with people. They don't get picked up and held and touched and fed the bottle and talked to and communicated with. And it leads to all kind of adjustment maladies. Uh, they, the, the kids can have a lot of mental and emotional issues. And in some cases, perfectly healthy babies, because of the lack of human contact, will actually die. You know? and, and we need to realize we need connections with other believers. We need connections with other people. We need, we need that interaction with one another. Another way of thinking about it is, you ever been by a campfire and you, and you watch one of the logs kind of roll off the campfire and roll away from the fire? And that red glow that it had starts to slowly die away because it's sitting out there by itself away from the fire. And if you go over there and just roll it back close to the fire, all of a sudden those embers, they start to glow again, right? Because it's close to the other ones. It's close to the other fire. It's close to the, the other logs. And all of a sudden it's like, it's, a, it's coming back, right? We are very much like that. And to be sustaining, our, our spirits need to connect with the spirits of other people, with other believers. Now, it's just part of being alive. That Those are some of the things we need to sustain us. Being spiritually alive means growth or maturing. That there's this, this idea, I'll put it this way, life, life is more than breathing. There's a lot of talk about this in our day-to-day. There's lots of discussion. We call it the quality of life, right? That that we realize that really living is more than just breathing or more than just having a heartbeat. You can be technically alive, but we would probably say that's not living because living is not stagnant. Living is not in place. Living is not just existing it's more than that and we understand that in these ideas and living spiritually is not stagnant either that there should be growth there should be maturity there should be development there should be change in us spiritually so let me ask you this is this tree a dead or alive how do you know what if it's what if it's winter it's got green what if it's early spring <laughs> Cut it down. There you go. So, so have you ever had a tree like this in your yard? And you're like, you know, late winter, early spring. I should have colored the grass. Uh, and you're like, is that tree dead or alive? And, well, and, and you may not be able to tell this moment, but you're like, I'm going to keep an eye on that. I'm going to watch it. And what are you watching for? You're watching to see if it grows leaves. And if those leaves change color and fall off, and if their tree does that throughout the cycle of a year, you go, oh, it's alive. If you watch it all summer and a leaf never pops out, right, it never grows, it never changes, it doesn't have leaves in the fall, you go, that one's dead. Cut it down, and it'll be next year's campfire. And so one of the ways we know something is alive is that it changes, that, that, that growth happens, that even just the growing and shedding of leaves happens, right? Um, and, and so this is part of life. 
Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, I have that for you here, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature and for those who have, who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Paul's or the writer, some people assume it's Paul, the, the writer of Hebrews is talking to the Hebrew children and dispersed and saying, you're not growing like you should. <laughs> Something's wrong. You're still babies. And by now you should be teaching other people. And you're still drinking milk, spiritual milk. You're not, you're not mature. And so what we learn is that maturing, this growing self inside of us is natural and expected. It's expected and natural for our, bot, for our spiritual self to grow and mature and change. If you're still struggling with the exact same things you were struggling with when you got saved, something's wrong. You should be changing and differing. Here's a pretty baby picture for you. There is nothing cuter in the world than kittens. I love kittens kittens i have zero kittens you know why because i expect them to grow up into cats and i'm not so crazy about cats right this is a natural expectation they're cute when they're little but the expectation is this thing's going to grow up and become a cat and then it won't have anything to do with me it'll walk around and stick his nose up in the air unlike my dog who can't kiss me enough right Growing spiritually is a natural expectation. Maturity should happen within our lives. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through, uh, 11 through 14, it says, And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure or of the statue of the fullness of Christ. So that, and remember, every time the Bible, you see so that in the Bible, that's, that's a big, like, red flag, pay attention here. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. One of the great things about maturity is maturity brings security. Is that the, the purpose of our church is that we're supposed to be growing up in maturity, right? Why? So that we're no longer deceived, so that we're no longer tossed about by the schemes of this world and by deceitfulness and by cunningness, that we, we can be secure in our faith. Our, our faith is solid. It's like concrete that has set. You know, that's maturity, and maturity brings security, and that's what we need in a world that pushes against us and tries for us. So when we think about ourselves and our spiritual life, as you think about that, that spiritual you, is it changing? Is it living, or is it stagnant? <laughs> is it not growing? Is it less mature than it should be? Is it in danger of being deceived and, and tossed about by the crazy doctrines of this world? 
That's why we're on a discipleship journey because we want to mature so that we can be secure in a world that is running headlong away from God. One of the other things about living spiritually, those of you, if you got your 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse, we're going to be getting there in just a minute. To live spiritually means that you have spiritual senses. In the physical world, we interact in the physical world through our senses, right? Sight, hearing, mine's not so good, smell, uh, taste, touch, you know, these are our senses. And we navigate through this world using these senses that we can see things and we hear things and we feel things. And that's how we interact with this world. Well, having a spiritual life means you can interact with the spiritual world through your spiritual senses. It, it, there's a very similar way that, that we can now hear spiritual things. We can understand spiritual things. We can feel the spirit at times. We can communicate with God. And so there is a, a spiritual set of senses we have. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 starts to explain that to us. We're going to look at verse 8. Start with verse 8. It says, None of the rulers of this age understand this, for if they had, they would, have, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, these things God revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For he knows a person's thoughts, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That we might understand the things freely given to us about God. And we impart these words not taught by human wisdom, but, but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but he is himself uh, to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This whole passage is talking about we get it. We can sense and understand spiritual things. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and, and you explain something? I just read this about the Bible and I just learned this and, and this was great. And they go, huh? You ever tried to share the gospel with someone and they just like, makes no sense it's because they're spiritually dead they have no spiritual senses about them they can't hear spiritual things they can't understand spiritual things they can't feel spiritual things and because we're spiritually alive we have those senses within us and it's part of how we engage in the world and I encourage you to use those senses to, 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 to hear God and to understand what the Bible says, that we have what we need to, to be in this relationship. Now, interestingly, if you'll turn over one more chapter, Paul's not done with this thought. 
Verse three, chapter 3 continues, we're spiritually able to sense things. You're spiritually able to understand. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. You're still little babies. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, even though now you are not yet ready for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are in the flesh and behaving only in the human way. When no one says, or when one says, I follow Paul, and no one says, I follow Apollos, you are, not, you are, you, are you not being merely human? And what he says is, look, you have this spiritual life that should be growing up in you, and it should be affecting how you interact in the physical world. Here's the truth. Our spiritual life reveals itself through our, our physical life, how we act, how we behave, how we interact with other people. And Paul's going, the spiritual you is still a baby because I see how you're living with one another. And so taking care of our spiritual self, getting it to grow and mature and, and, and become what God wanted it to be and, and bringing it to fruition impacts how we live in this world. And so my last idea is, is like this. When we can't hear spiritual things, when we can't speak or understand spiritual things, when we can't see spiritual things, we might as well be dead. Right? But you were dead. You're now alive. There's this whole life inside of you connected with the Spirit of God the way it's supposed to be. And he has purpose for us. And he has relationships for us. And we can feed on his word and feed on his will and seek his will. And we can grow up and mature as we're supposed to be so that we can be secure in this world that's running away from God. Right? And this is God's expectation for us. And so that we can hear him and talk with him and react with him and sense the spiritual world around us. What a life it is to live as we were intended to, body, soul, united, united with God. And so my encouragement to you as we continue to walk through our 3D disciple, it's all designed to help our spiritual life be the best it can. So, is there one more slide? Take care of yourself. I'm going to ask the deacons to gather at the back so we can pass out communion. And, and I started with this thought today. The blessing of having a spiritual life, to be spiritually alive, is the gift of God. We had to be, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. As he closes out John chapter 3, he explains as the Son of Man was lifted up, so that's how we get born again. For God so loved the world that, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. The life we have is valuable because God gave it to us. We were dead. We're now alive in Christ Jesus because of the sacrifice he made. This is the price for that precious life you have in you. That's why we should take such good care of it. Before they come down, let us pray.
Dear gracious Heavenly Father, may we be grateful today that we can say, I am a child of God, that I am alive, that I am alive as I should be, connected with God through His Spirit. Lord, may we cherish the life that you've given us, both physical and spiritual. And may we live in this world as spiritual beings, letting, letting the inner self interact with this world as it should. Lord, sustain us. Keep us steadfast. Keep us secure. Help our faith to mature and grow so that we can stand as we should stand until the day you call us home to be in glory forever with you and enjoy eternal life. We praise you. We thank you for the sacrifice you've made. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.